Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version updated. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on these things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, enslaved and free. But Christ is all in all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for being with us here this morning through your Holy Spirit. We thank you for being able to praise and glorify your name and to be reminded, O oh Lord, that you deserve the glory, that you deserve the praise. We ask, O oh Lord, now that you will speak to us through this word as I proclaim it. Lord, give me your thoughts to be my own, that it might be what we need to hear this morning. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The scripture that we have read today comes from the book of Colossians, and we did uh, a scripture a couple of weeks ago on first, the first chapter where Paul basically established the supremacy of Christ, that Christ was in everything, sustaining everything, the author of creation. You know, he just went on and on trying to expound on an understanding of who Jesus is. Today we arrive at the third chapter, and Paul has moved from just expressing uh, who Christ is and his understanding of who Jesus is to some practical implications of what it means for us to call ourselves followers of Christ. What does it mean for us to have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior? What difference does it make in our lives? When you read the scripture, the translation says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are from above. But if you look at the original Greek, a better translation would be since you have been raised with Christ. Because Paul is writing to a church. He's writing to people that he assumes are already Christian, already have accepted Jesus as Lord. And so his whole argument is predicated on the fact that they know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and therefore they have been raised with Christ in glory. Paul assumes that the resurrection is not just some future thing out there that we're going to get one day. He's basically saying that we are people of the resurrection, 
that followed the resurrected Christ, that believe that the resurrection of Jesus changes are here and now. Not just something in the future somewhere out there, but that it actually makes a difference and an impact in how we live our lives today. Paul moves us to acknowledge also that Jesus was not just crucified, dead, and buried, but that he was raised from the dead and then ascended to the Father. So we believe that Jesus went back to heaven to sit at the right hand of God until that time in which he would return to judge the living and the dead. That's what we say in the Apostles' Creed, right? That he would come back to judge the living and the dead. Paul says, if you are people of the resurrection that believe that Jesus has ascended to the Father, that his resurrection, his life, death, and resurrection and ascension make a difference in your lives, then you need to set your minds and your thoughts and your attention on the things that are above and not just on the things of the earth, of the everyday life. It is not that Paul is trying to deny that we live in the world. He knows that. He knows that we have to face reality of everyday grinds and work and all the things that we do every day. But he wants to make sure that we understand that when we come to Christ, our focus and our attention shifts to the heavenly things, to things that have to do with the kingdom of God and to the new relationship that we now have with God through Jesus Christ. Basically, the relationship that we have with God changes when we accept Jesus. It becomes tighter, stronger. It becomes a whole new thing because now our hope our faith, our future is all bound up with Christ. Everything about us has to be bound up with Christ. I equate it to getting married. Because when you get married, you know, things change, or they should at least. Right? When you get married, your identity changes. You're no longer just your, your individual self. Now you belong to someone else and they belong to you. There's this mutual relationship of accountability and responsibility and love. And all of those things come through marriage, through that relationship, through that bond, through that commitment that you're making. And when you get married, things have to change. I mean, you basically can't continue doing the old things that you used to do. You know, your spouse is not going to put up with you just taking off with the guys every single weekend. It's not going to happen. You've got to have... Now, more time with your spouse, more time with the person that you've committed to spend the rest of your life with. Well, Paul is basically saying that's exactly how it is when our life becomes intertwined with Christ. We basically have to spend more time dedicating ourselves to our relationship with Christ and with God through Jesus Christ. We have to spend more of our attention and our thought and our actions to build up the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. We basically have to focus on these things and put to death those things that were of the old self. Not in the literal sense, you know, you don't come to Christ and we go, hey, let's kill you so you can come back. No, we don't do that, right? But we do say, now that you have come to Christ, the old self, the old self that used to be rebellious towards God, the old self that used to want to do its own thing, the old self that was selfish and had all kinds of earthly ambitions, needs to give way to the new self 
the new self that is being redefined based on the relationship with Jesus Christ. He says the earthly needs to be put to death because it's part of that old way of living. It needs to be put to death because it's part of the old man and woman that has to be changed to become the new man and the new woman in Christ. And Paul gives us a list. He, he likes lists. If you haven't noticed, Paul really likes lists. He likes to be able to give you a list of things, but he's always very clever because he always says, and there's more. <laughs> he always says, yeah, here's a list to start off with, but there's always more. But he gives you a list. He says, this is the stuff that needs to be put to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. He says, all of these things are the result of disobedience to God. These are things that oppose the will of God in our lives. When we do these things, we're basically doing our own thing instead of following the will of God and the rules that God has set forth for us. It's interesting that he singles out uh, greed as idolatry. Because greed, as we know, is the desire to have more and more and more. It can be money, it can be position, it can be prestige. But he defines it as, as idolatry because so many people fall in love with their stuff to the point that they love it more than they love the Lord. And so he says, you've you got to put that to death. You cannot do that because these things are going to separate you in your relationship with God. If you get married and you tell your spouse that there's something out there that you love more than them, you're in trouble. I'm just going to lay it out flat. You're in trouble. Why? Because in that relationship, committed relationship, your spouse is expecting to receive your full love and attention and dedication. And in the same way God expects from us when we come to Christ that we will love him with our whole heart, soul, and mind. And if there's anything that we put in the place of God and we begin to love more, then we have fallen into the old ways of the old man. And he says, no, that stuff needs to be put to death. He said, don't, don't do it. And he says, there's more. Also get rid of the stuff that gets in the way of your relationship with God. He says, get rid of anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive language from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self of its practices and clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. He says, basically, you got to get rid of all of these behaviors, these ways of acting that basically bring about conflict among yourselves and therefore also affect your relationship with God. You know, God has always defined our relationship with him as a relationship that should affect our relationship with everybody else. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that we can believe in him and have eternal life. But then he says what? And then love your neighbor. The relationship with God, where we receive God's love in Jesus Christ, where we receive his grace and his mercy, should inspire us to have that same love and mercy and grace towards our neighbor. He says, don't do these things to each other. Anger, malice, wrath, these are all things that we do to each other. These are actions and behaviors and attitudes that we practice with each other. And then he says, don't lie. Well, if it's... That should be a given, right? 
we follow the God of truth, not lying should be a duh. You know, everybody should know that one. But clearly this is a problem because he's got to mention it. Clearly there are some that are lying to others and they're, they're acting in, not in good faith, but in bad faith. Think about it. He says basically that they're acting with malice, with anger, with wrath, and all of these things, abusive language. You know, Christians are not supposed to belittle other people through the use of their words. That's not something that Christ would want us to do. He would want us to build each other up. He basically says, get rid of this. He says it directly, get rid of all of this. Now, a lot of us like to rearrange the chairs on the Titanic. And what we do is, our spouse tells us to get rid of something, and we go put it in a closet. Or we go put it in the garage or the attic. Out of sight, out of mind, right? Why? Because I might need it later. I might need it later. I might want to reach into, into that closet and get it out and play with that later. And basically, he says, don't. He says, rid yourself of these things. These are the things that affect your relationship with others and with God. These are the things that are contrary to the will of God for your lives. These are the things that separate you from what you're trying to accomplish. They will not help you in your journey with Christ. He says, get rid of these things. So many times, though, like I said, we just hide them away so we can pull them out later. He says, you got to get rid of them altogether. I've learned that I don't get rid of stuff very easily. So for me to do it, I have to put it on the curve because that's definite. Once it gets rained on, it's gone. Can't pull it back. It's all wet. It's all drenched. It's got to go. But the reality is that so often it takes a lot for us to take stuff out of our house and put it out and let it go. The image that also struck me in the scripture is that idea of stripping ourselves of the old self with its practices in order to clothe ourselves with the new self. You know, stripping is a, is a process that requires us to remove something in order to prepare something to receive something new. When you strip, you literally take out the old to prepare that surface to receive what is new. And so when he talks about stripping ourselves of the old, he's basically talking about similar to what, what I was talking about when we talk about painting. You know, if you've ever painted and you've tried to paint over paint that is peeling off the wall, and you said, oh, it'll be fine, and you painted right over it. You had chips very soon after that, right? Because the old paint and the new paint got together and came off the wall. And you wonder what happened. Well, you didn't strip it. You didn't prime it. You didn't do anything to prepare the surface. And basically what, what Paul is saying here is that if we don't strip ourselves of the old, then, then we are not going to be able to take on the new. You know, so many people want to put on a second coat of clothes over their Christian clothes so that they can switch back and forth. 
And that's not what the scripture says. It says strip yourself of all the old, take it off in order to be able to put on the new. It's not put it in a closet so that you can wear it later. It's not, you know, put it to the side so you can wear it on the weekends when you're hanging out with your buddies. It's take it off and leave it gone. Make it gone from your life completely. If you start doing a paint job and you, and you don't strip the wall or at least prime it, it's going to look awful. I'm just going to be honest. You're going to have patches and places where the paint doesn't look even, and it's just not going to look right. And you're not going to be pleased with the result because it's not going to be uniform. But there are times when stripping is a painful and slow process. Because there are parts of the wall that come off easily. The paint just comes right off. You know that really old paint that's already chipped and already kind of cracked and really dry? You can almost touch that stuff and it just falls on the ground. But there are parts of us that are kind of stuck in there. Parts of us that are really clinging on for dear life. Parts of us that don't want to let go. And when that happens, we really have to take out the scraper <laughs> and ask Jesus to help us to remove them from our lives. Because leaving those bits and pieces is only going to cause trouble for us in the long run. We've got to remove them. We've got to be made new in Christ. Like a new paint, coat of paint that has replaced the old, Covering everything that is old with new is not just enough. The old literally has to go to make way for the new. This new self, Paul says, is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator, which is very important because when we are being made new, we're not being made new according to what we think is best. We're not being renewed based on what we want to accomplish or do. We are being made new in the image of Christ, which means we are seeking to become more Christ-like every day. And in order for that to happen, we have to become like a bare canvas, ready for the master painter to really come and turn us into a masterpiece. When that happens, the scripture says that we are made more in the image of the one who created us, who loved us, and who gave his life for us. When this happens, Paul says that there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is all in all. Have you noticed that when you strip a wall, they all look the same? They just look bare. Nothing to them. You just strip them, they just look plain, nothing there. There's a radical equality that comes about when we all allow Jesus to strip us to the bare bones. And then we let him build us back up into what we need to be. But in order for that to happen, we have to allow him to strip away that which gets in the way of our relationship. I want to tell you that today is the only day that you will hear your pastor tell you to strip. 
Today I'm telling you to strip off the old self with its practices. If there's anything old, if there's anything of that old self that is getting in the way of your relationship with God, if there's anything that is getting in the way of your relationship with each other in God's love, I ask you to strip it off and to allow Jesus Christ to give you new clothing, to dress you in the garbs of righteousness that only Christ can provide. If there's anything that's still hanging on, it's time to strip it off, to let Jesus carry it to the cross and put it to death so that you can experience the fullness of the resurrection and the fullness of the life that Christ wants to give you. Take it off because the new identity requires it. If we call Jesus Lord and Savior of our lives, then you can't just shuffle it around in your life to another corner. You've got to take it out, put it on the curb, and let him take it away. Today, I just pray that we will strip ourselves of anything that gets in the way of our relationship with Christ and with each other, that we will allow him to make us new in his image. Because it, we, you can't go wrong with that. You can't go wrong with being more like Jesus. We all want to accomplish that in our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the invitation that you give us this day to strip ourselves of the old, to make way for the new, to allow ourselves to be changed, to be transformed, to be made into a new creation in Christ. Lord, we know you have great plans for us, for our lives, for our ministry, for our church. Lord, and there are things that we might have to strip off in order to see those things happen. We pray, Lord, that you will lead us and guide us and that you will continue, O oh Lord, to make all things new in us, that every day we will be renewed in Christ and that he will be the head of our lives and of our church. We pray that in his name. Amen. The altar is always open if you want to come up for prayer. If there's anything at all that's kind of hanging tough, not allowing you to remove it, not going easily in your life. Today, God wants to remove it. He wants to take the spatula to it. He wants to sand it down. He wants to just pluck it out. So I invite you to the altar so we can pray with you to help that happen.